praises sing of all that you have done for us lord tonight as we gather together here in your name and we remember all that you did we reflect on those things lord we can rejoice in the fact that it was all done for us it all purchased us out of the bondage of of death and slavery and lord you've given us eternal life through all of this Lord, you alone are worthy of our praise, and we pray that you would be honored and glorified here this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Calvary Chapel Surprise this evening for our Good Friday service. Tonight, we will be going through the, the Matthew account of the last hours of Jesus' life leading up to and including his death on the cross. On our behalf, we will remember and reflect as we read through the text. We will respond in song as we will do that throughout the service tonight. And then at the end, we'll celebrate communion together. Our entire, our entire reason for gathering is to do just that, to remember, to reflect, to respond to all of this. And guys, you know, it, it, it's difficult when we talk about this and we understand all that Jesus went through and to say the word to rejoice in that is kind of hard when we think about the whole picture, isn't it? 
But that's truly why, because we know at the end of it, we know what we're coming back this weekend to celebrate. It's, it's not just his death on our behalf, but his resurrection. He is alive. And today, as we sing and we rejoice, amen. As we sing and rejoice as well, he is eager to receive that praise. So join us this evening as we do just that. We remember, we respond, we reflect, and we rejoice. I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. But now indeed I find Thy power.
from Matthew chapter 26 and 27. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 17, says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man to whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for him if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup, he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus Messiah, name above all blessed Redeemer, and you are resting for sinners. Redeemer, 
Jesus came with them to a place named Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying to the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. There in the garden, there all alone, bearing our burden as your very What incredible suffering, Lord, you were put through, as your plea for his mercy, your father refused, there was no mercy. Good. 
speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then will the scripture be fulfilled which says it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. 
Should I stumble again? I'm caught in your grace everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all
Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward, but later on two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they responded, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face, and they beat him with their fists, and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you who are the Christ, who is the one who hit you? Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed.
accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was because of envy that he had been handed over. When he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, Crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, his blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified.
of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. 
And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on and led him away to crucify him. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross.
when they came to a place called Golgotha, that means the place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put the charge against him, which read, Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also among the scribes and the elders were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he delights in him for whom he said, I am the Son of God, the robbers who were crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross Get going. 
About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, This man is calling out for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it for him to drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tomb after his, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that had happened were very frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Many women were looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee and ministering to him. Among those were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee.
together, we get a 
a more accurate picture of, of what transpired, yet still in the entire six-hour period, we're left with a lot of, of unanswered questions, a lot of, a lot of things that aren't recorded for us. We have to look at all four of the accounts just to get a, a complete picture of all of what Jesus said on the cross. The accounts of that, we, that we get from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are first-hand and second-hand accounts of what took place as eyewitnesses from the disciples' perspective. We know that the first thing that Jesus said after he was crucified was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The second recorded thing that is told us is, is Jesus responding. We, we saw in Matthew's account where the two thieves were mocking Jesus. But, but Luke tells us that at one point during that time, one of the thieves recognizes that Jesus is, is a holy man, the Son of God, and he rebukes the other thief and he asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And the second recorded saying of Jesus on the cross is, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The third thing that's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his mother who is there, he says, behold your son, referring to John, and John, behold your mother, making sure that Jesus' mother would be taken care of after he died. The fourth recorded thing is, is what we read in Matthew. Mark also records it, where Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John records the next two things that Jesus says. He says, I thirst. And then after Matthew records for us, something was brought for him to drink. He refuses that, but that was done to fulfill Scripture. And then John records for us, the words that we know that he cried out from the cross, it is finished. Everything has been accomplished, paid in full. And then Luke records for us the final thing that he said. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. We have that picture from a disciple's perspective. And again, as we read through that, and, and I would encourage you to do that, read all of the gospel accounts put together one thing that is not recorded for us in that is the event from Jesus' perspective. In that, we have to go outside of the Gospels. In that, we have to go to something that was recorded a thousand years before in Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22, David records for us a prophecy. This is not David recording his own feelings and emotions some draw some things, and there are a few parallels, but there's no way we could look at Psalm 22 and match that up with a time in David's life. David is prophesying something that is yet to come, and it is from Jesus' perspective. On the cross, we, we, as we just re recounted the seven things that Jesus said from the cross, notice two of them were directed to individuals, two statements, two, two statements directed to three individuals, the thief and then to Mary, his mother, and to John, two general statements that were made to, that, he, that he thirst and that uh, the statement, it is finished, and three statements were made to God the Father. But there's one important thing that I don't know if, if you caught that just came out to me this week, is it, even today as I'm studying through this. Notice the first thing that he said, Father... Forgive them, 
for they do not know what they're doing. The last thing he said was, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. The middle thing that is recorded for us in Matthew, notice he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Something has taken place. Something is dramatically different. And we turn to Psalm 22 to see that. Jesus is actually quoting from Psalm 22 when he says this. Psalm 22 verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are my words and my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night I have no rest, yet you are holy. Oh, you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see something in this that we will never fully be able to comprehend. The perfect unity, the perfect relationship between the Father and the Son from eternity past, something steps into this now. Jesus is experiencing something on the cross that he had never experienced before a separation from the Father. It says in verse two that I just read, my God, I cry out by day and you do not answer me, by night and I have no rest. There's a mystery in this that, again, we cannot fully understand, we cannot grab a hold of. We just account, recounted and we know from the story that Jesus was on the cross about six hours. But something transpired in that six hours that we cannot fully grab a hold of, by day, by night. This was not something that, that we, can, we can put into our understanding. I know at times that there's been situations where I have had to leave my child and, and they had to trust me. Like when, when my daughter was having her wisdom teeth pulled. I couldn't be there for her during that time. And so, but I told her, I said, honey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be right in the other room. In just a little while, this is going to be over. We need to understand that that's not what's taking place here. There's something else. This wasn't like the father just saying to Jesus, hey, just hang on. This is only going to take a minute. No, it was far more than that. The Bible touches on this mystery that Jesus slain before the foundation of the world and these types of things. Again, a mystery far beyond us. But we sing a song from time to time that says that I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. And when we sing that song and we think those lyrics, it's because we, we won't ever see him on the cross. But it goes way more than that because John the disciple of Jesus who is standing there, he'll never know how much it cost either. He'll never understand that. Because we, in our mortality, we, in the fact that we are created beings, will never be able to understand this eternal relationship, this eternal perfect unity that the Father and the Son had. But you know what? As Christians... We will never experience the forsakenness that Jesus experienced on our behalf. Jesus on the cross has love turn its back on him 
and the full wrath of God poured out upon him on the cross. When the Bible tells us he became our sin, when that happened, the Bible tells us that God had to turn away, the Father had to turn away. Habakkuk tells us that that his eyes are too pure to look upon sin. So he had to turn his back something Jesus had never experienced before. And he cries out in this agony, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist goes on again, verse four, it says, in you, Jesus, again, now this is the the psalmist taking the place. Again, Jesus on the cross, we get a glimpse of this. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted in you, delivered them. To you, they cried out and were delivered. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. We are shown grace and mercy because he was shown none we can cry out for deliverance and receive help in our time of need because when Jesus did he received none he received the wrath that we deserve so that we receive the grace and mercy that he deserved he goes on but I am a worm and not a man a reproach of men and despised by by the people All who see see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip and they wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Again, these same things, these words that we just read in Matthew a thousand years later prophesied that were gonna take place. Verse 11, be not far from me for trouble is near. For there is no hope. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. Some, some scholars point to this as the, as the demonic forces that are almost like circling at the bottom of the cross as Jesus can see this going on. Now whether these are the demonic actual demons or certainly the demon-inspired priests and those that are high priests that are walking around there, no doubt, again, the spiritual impact and battle that is going on as Jesus is on the cross. In verse 14 and following, the psalmist records for us again from Jesus' perspective what he physically is feeling. When we look at the gospel accounts, they simply say he was scourged and he was crucified. And we know now through historical things and looking back on that, all of that that entailed. But the psalmist records it again from one who is going through it. Verse 14, I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to my jaws and you lay me in the dust of death totally poured out. The only thing, I I believe at the point where Jesus, at the end of this, after going through the beating, the night with no sleep, all of the things that are going, none of that could take his life until he willingly, at the end, said, it is finished. All of it has been accomplished. Most men, if not all men, would have been dead at this point. Jesus continuing to endure, as it is telling us here, says, I count all my bones. They divide my garments among them and my clothing they cast lots for again a thousand years before it actually took place. 
But it begs the question, and it goes back to verse 1, where he says, my God, my God, why? Why? When I think of all of this, and again, as I just reflect on, on this, and I ask that you would do the same in your reflection, he did all of that. He endured all of this for me. He went through all of this for you. The physical suffering, yes. The torment and betrayal and, and being left alone by, by everyone, yes. But the greatest difficulty, the greatest thing that he had to endure was the father turning his back on him. And he knew this was coming. He knew, it tells us, it tells us in the word that before the foundation of the world, this plan was set. Before creation, before, before time was invented, before time was created, this plan was set in motion. Knowing that we would need this. Knowing all of our days, all of our sin prior. And he still went forward with the relationship. When... When two people get married, they stand before God and stand before witnesses and they make vows to each other. They say, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. And I guarantee everyone who has ever said those vows were really counting and hoping on the fact that it would be better, richer, and health, <laughs> right? Not, nobody was banking on the fact that it, could, it would be worse than you could possibly imagine. Full of sickness and death and disease and poverty beyond your wildest imagination. If you knew that going into it, you might say, okay, there's got to be a better plan. Maybe we, should, maybe we should rethink this whole thing. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He knew ahead of time that it couldn't get worse. He knew ahead of time that, the, that as bad as it was going to get was going to cause all of the death and sickness and disease. All poverty was going to be a result of the sin. And yet he didn't say to the Father, you know, maybe we ought to rethink this. Why? Why? For the joy set before him. That's you and me. For the love that he has for us. Tells us that he displayed this love that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. But somehow, some way, that's the love that he has for us. That's why. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is simple, because there is no other way. There's no other way. So he did. 
And I would encourage you that you would continue to read through Psalm 22 because after we just left there, it goes on and it moves on to now speaking of after the resurrection and the relationship that is then between us and him and the praises that are offered up and, and that. And then Psalm 23 follows. And it talks about all that we have in Jesus as our good shepherd, as we live our lives now and we walk through and he leads and he guides us as we follow him as his sheep, the ones that hear his voice and follow him. And Psalm 24 then comes on the heels of that and it talks about the praise and in response that we have. How we rejoice and respond to this amazing news. It talks about, that says... The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the holy hill? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Anyone got that on your own? Not one of us. But as we've been talking tonight, those clean hands, perfectly clean hands, were stretched out and nailed to the cross that perfectly pure heart melted like wax in his chest so that our hands and hearts could be cleaned and purified so that we could offer him praise that is worthy. It goes on and it finishes Psalm 24 Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Who is this King of glory? His name is Jesus. Here 
come forward now we're going to distribute the communion elements as the trays go by please make sure you grab both cups the juice in the top cup the bread in the bottom cup how beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth how beautiful
Jesus was betrayed, as we looked at at the very beginning this evening. They were gathered together for the Passover feast, and this particular night it would be changed forever. Most, most Jews didn't realize that the Passover was pointing to an event, and most still today don't realize it's pointing back to an event. It's when the spotless lamb, the spotless lamb of God, took our place. And that's what we remember tonight. Our Lord, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and drink, all of you, this is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, that is exactly what we do right now tonight. We remember all that you did on our behalf. And Lord, as we've discussed and as we certainly know, we, 